It's Saturday, December 27, 1975, and Oscar and Rick Carter have had a long night in jail. There is no sign of Donna, and people from around the county have joined the search, fueled by the local paper's lead story on the case. This is Prosecutor Jay Powell questioning Logan at trial on June 28, 1976. Did you have occasion to find some item of apparel that was later identified as John and Joe Richmond's? Yes, I did. In fact, you found more than one item, didn't you? Yes, sir. All right. What was the first item that you found? The first item I found was an open-toed, open-heeled, brown sandal-type shoe. All right. And where was it that you found the first shoe? The first shoe was located on the south portion of the roadway, just off the roadway in the dirt area, on Avenue 264, approximately one half mile west of Road 176. All right. And what was the date you found that shoe again? 27th of December, 1975. Let me show you what has been marked as People 17 for identification, which appears to be a woman's type shoe, and ask you if you'd look at that and if you can identify it. It appears to be one of the shoes that were located. All right. And is that the first shoe or the second shoe? Can you tell by looking at it? It would be the first shoe. All right. And what did you do with the first shoe after you located it? We just secured the scene around the shoe itself. All right. And who took possession of the shoe? Do you recall? We secured the area until Sergeant Bird and Detective Johnson arrived and took over, uh, charge of the scene itself. And I'm not sure exactly who took possession of the shoe. All right. Detective Johnson and Detective Bird arrived. Yes, sir. This is Defense Attorney Donahue questioning Logan. Deputy Logan, was Deputy Mike Moore with you? On the 27th, he was, sir. Yes, that's the date I'm referring to. Yes, sir, he was. And was Captain Barnes along with you? Not in my car, no, sir. Did you find these two shoes yourself, or did some other officer find them first? The first shoe, we received a radio transmission that a citizen had located the shoe uh, along the roadway, and Deputy Moore and myself were the first officers at the scene. All right. Now, this first shoe that you found on Avenue 264, in relation to the traveled portion of the highway, the southern edge of it, where was the shoe located? I didn't take any measurements, but I'll tell you from the edge of the roadway, from where the dirt and the pavement end meet, it was between 15 and 20 feet off the roadway, and I can't give a more exact measurement than that. Did anybody, perhaps Detective Moore or anyone else that you know of, measure the distance from, say, the edge of the roadway to where the shoe, the first shoe, was located? The first shoe? Yes. Not to my knowledge. And on which day did you find the first shoe? On the 27th of December. Approximately what time? 0940. Now, when you went out to the scene and you located the first shoe... Yes, sir. Did anybody, as far as you know, make a search of this area on Avenue 264 West? I, myself... That date? I, myself, searched west of, to Road 164. You searched as far west as Road 164? Yes, sir. And, did you, and you did not go beyond that point that day? Not on that date, no. Now, Officer Logan, in looking at People's 15 and People's 18, which are two photos of the shoes, could you tell from the manner in which or the way they were found whether they had been perhaps thrown out or just laid down? I couldn't tell, sir. 
Was there any marks at all? Well, let's take the first shoe. Were there any marks at all around the first shoe which might have indicated that it had been tossed over to that location? I didn't notice. I didn't walk up and view the area immediately around the shoe. Who picked the shoes up? I don't know. You didn't? No, I didn't touch them. Okay. Do you know who transported the shoes from the place, places where they were found to the sheriff's office? No, I don't. This is TCSO Report Bird, December 29, 1975. At 0900 hours on 1227.75, this officer received a call to meet with Captain Barnes on Avenue 264 between roads 176 and 164. At this location, there had been a leather wedged heel woman's shoe located, which had been tentatively identified by the brother of the victim, Donna Richmond, as being a shoe belonging to her. Arrived at location approximately one quarter mile west of road 176 on Avenue 264. Met with Deputy Mike Moore, who was protecting the scene where the shoe was located. Observed this shoe to be a brown leather wedged heel sandal type shoe. At the location of this shoe, there was an Edison Company utility line pole. The pole bared the number 131206E. This shoe was located on the south side of the pole and just west of the pole, approximately three and a half feet. This shoe was photographed by Larry McLaughlin of the STEP unit of Tulare County Sheriff's Office. The shoe was placed in a plastic bag and a small piece of paper with this officer's name and the time was placed inside the bag. This item was turned over to Detective Johnson of the crime lab by this officer. Prior to releasing this item to Detective Johnson, the item was identified positively by colorations placed on the shoe at the time of purchase by the victim's mother and father, Mr. and Mrs. Don Richmond. This is Prosecutor Jay Powell questioning Bird at trial on June 28, 1976. Now, Detective Bird, calling your attention to December 27, 1975, were you at the location where the first shoe was found? Yes, sir. All right. That's the plaintiff's number 17 for identification. Did you take the shoe into your possession? Yes, sir. And what did you do with it? Who did you deliver it to in the sheriff's office after you picked it up? After I had it identified, I delivered it to Detective Johnson. This is TCSO Report Johnson, December 26, 1975. 14.05 hours, 12.27.75. Received one platform shoe, tan in color, from Sergeant Bird. This is Prosecutor Jay Powell questioning Johnson at trial on June 28, 1976. Do you know who did take the photographs of the first shoe? I believe Sergeant McLaughlin did. All right. Were you at the scene where the first shoe was found? No, I was not. Let me show you what has been marked as People's Number 17 for identification, which is a shoe found on December 27th. Can you tell me who you received that from? I received that from Sergeant Bird. All right. And then did you keep it at your crime lab? I did. This is Prosecutor Jay Powell questioning Nancy Jo Richmond at trial, June 28, 1976. Would you state your name, please? Nancy Jo Richmond. And are you the mother of the deceased, Donna Jo Richmond? Yes. Mrs. Richmond, let me show you what has been marked as People's Number 17 and Number 19 in this case. A pair of shoes, 
and ask you to examine those shoes and see if you recognize them. Yes, they're my daughter's. In that Donna Jo Richmond's? Yes. So this part of the story seems pretty simple. You can see the location of this shoe on our interactive map marked as shoe one. The jury heard a quick reference to this shoe having been found by a citizen, but there was no follow-up from Donahue, and it probably seemed unimportant. This is TCSO report Logan and Moore, dated December 27, 1975. The time is 9.40 hours. Subjects David Richmond, 16 years old, Jim Diet, 17 years old, Jerry Renseman, 16 years old. We were traveling eastbound on 264, approximately half mile west of road 172, when we spotted a sandal-type shoe near the ditch on the south side of the roadway. Dave, victim's brother, tentatively identified the shoe as belonging to his sister, Donna Richmond. Signed, Dave Richmond, Jim Diet, and Jerry Rensman. This is a checklist made by Bob Bird sometime between January 8th and January 10th, 1976. Item number three, need reports from Deputy Mike Moore and Warren Logan on being contacted by David Richmond on finding shoe number one. Request made for report on 1-876-0750 hours. The citizen mentioned at trial turned out to be David Richmond, Jim Diet, and their friend Jerry Brunsman. David was never questioned about finding the shoe at the grand jury or at trial. It's clear that Donahue knew this information because it's contained in a report from Petty John. If Jim Diet was ever questioned, there is no record of it anywhere. How did the boys find themselves searching that area? It was nearly five miles from where the bike was found. Did law enforcement direct them to look on Avenue 264? Did they have some other reason to look for Donna there? It's difficult to understand why Oscar's defense didn't ask these questions. The jury never heard about the boys' involvement in the evidence search. This is TCSO report from King and Hoffman, dated December 27, 1975, 10.10 a.m. At above date and time, a reporting officer and Deputy Hoffman were searching a ditch on the east side of Road 176 north of Avenue 264 for possible evidence, and reporting officer observed a sanitary napkin and belt and a pair of female underwear, light green in color, approximately a quarter mile north of Avenue 264. On the west bank of the ditch, approximately 12 to 18 inches above the ditch floor. Reporting officer and Deputy Hoffman secured the area. This is Prosecutor Jay Powell questioning King at trial, June 28, 1976. And on that occasion, were you involved in the investigation of the kidnapping and homicide of Donna Jo Richmond? I was. And on that occasion, did you find some items of evidence? I did. And would you tell us what those items were that you found? They consisted of a pair of undergarments and a sanitary napkin. All right. And a sanitary belt, was it? Yes. Now, where was the location that you found these? These were in a ditch that was located on the west side of Road 176, north of Avenue 264. Okay. It's on the west or the east side of the road? Correction. It was on the east side. It was the west bank of the ditch that the items were on. Okay. Okay. That was on which road? 
176. Okay, and did you disturb these items, pick them up, and examine them? No, I didn't. All right, and what did you do when you found them? Radioed into Detective McKinney and stood by at the scene until he arrived. All right, and did you take any measurements of that scene? No, sir, I didn't. All right. Mr. Donahue questioning King. How did you happen to find these garments, Mr. King? We were assigned block areas of a map, and that was in one area that I was assigned to. Were you walking down the ditch or in the ditch? No, sir. I was on the east side of the ditch in my patrol car going down an access road to a grape vineyard. Now, between the traveled portion of the roadway and the top of this ditch bank, what is the approximate distance? I would say not less than six feet or more than twelve. Officer King, did you actually make a measurement of the width of the dirt shoulder from the east side of the eastern edge of the roadway over to the top of the ditch? No, sir, I didn't. Did you find any other items in that area? No, sir, I didn't. Approximately how deep is the ditch where you found the napkin and the belt? I would guess about four feet deep. Mr. King, isn't it approximately 15 feet from the eastern edge of the roadway to the west edge of the ditch? I couldn't say for sure. Uh, I'd, I'd say it was more than 6 feet and less than 12 to the east bank or the west bank of the ditch. Something in that neighborhood. Uh, it could be 15 feet. Could be. All right. Now, do you recall on the other side of the road, it's approximately 15 feet from the west edge of the road to the prune grove or grove of trees? Excuse me, I didn't understand the question. On the west side of the road, there's a, I don't know, a prune grove or some kind of trees there, aren't there? Yes. All right. What I'm asking you is, isn't it approximately 15 feet from the west edge of the road to the trees, if you recall? I recall there being an orchard there, but I can't say how far off the roadway it was. Road 176 is a two-lane road, is it not? Yes, sir. Do you know the approximate width of it? I'd say approximately 30 feet. These items then, as I understand it, you just found them. You secured the area and then somebody else came in and took over. Is that the way it works? That's correct. This is TCSO Report McKinney, December 28th, 1975. 12-27-75, approximately 10-10 hours. Reporting officer was contacted and asked to a location on Road 176, just north of Avenue 264, as possibly items belonging to Donna Richmond had been found. Reporting officer arrived at approximately 1025 hours. Deputy W.J. King pointed out to reporting officer a pair of women's underpants and a sanitary belt containing a cotex. From Avenue 264 to where panties and cotex were found on Road 176 was approximately 600 feet. This is Prosecutor Jay Powell questioning McKinney at trial, June 28, 1976. Mr. McKinney, on or about December 27, 1975, were you at the location where the sanitary napkin, belt, and panties were found in this case? Yes, sir, I was. And what location was that? It was on Road 176, approximately 600 feet north of Avenue 264. Did you take some measurements there as to the approximate location as to where the items of personal apparel were found? Yes, sir, I did. And would you tell us what measurements you took and where each thing was located? 
from Avenue 264 North on Road 176. It was approximately 200 steps or 600 feet to where the panties and the sanitary belt and the napkin were found. All right, and in relationship then to the where was the personal items found in relationship to some other east-west location? From, from the center of road 176, it was approximately 23 feet east to the edge of a little ditch, an irrigation ditch. The items were found directly on the bottom of the ditch against the west edge. Donahue questioning McKinney. Officer McKinney, did you... I guess you must have. You measured the distance between the traveled, the eastern edge of the traveled portion of the road, to the ditch? From the approximate center as far as I could step it off, sir. Uh, there was no center line on the, down on the road. All right. You measured it from the center line. Is that correct? That's correct. And how far was it from the center line to the location where you found the belt, the panties, and so forth? It was approximately 22 feet from the center line on the edge of the ditch, and from the edge of the ditch, it kind of, uh, there was an incline, about a 45-degree incline. They were right at the bottom of that. All right. Now, approximately 22 feet from the center line. Uh, yes, sir. Approximately how wide is the north-traveled lane of Road 176? I, uh, I wouldn't know, sir. Normally, you got a 40-foot road right-of-way on the county roads like that. I'd say at least it would be a 10-foot lane. All right. So then, if I understand it correctly, we have a lane. The northbound lane is approximately 10 feet wide? Yes, sir. I would say so. And then we have an additional 12 feet from the eastern edge of the traveled portion to the spot where the panties were located? No, sir. Uh, to the edge of the ditch. To the edge. And then there's about a 45-degree incline down into a little irrigation ditch that's approximately two to two and a half foot deep. Probably two and a half. Uh, three feet uh, further down is where the items were found. All right. Would it be fair to say that from the east edge of the roadway to the place where you found the panties and the belt, that it's approximately 14 or 15 feet? Yes. I would say that. Yes, sir. This is TCSO Report Bird, December 29, 1975. At or about 1040 hours, 122775, reporting officer received a call from Captain Burns to meet with one of the STEP units, Deputy Bill King, at a location on Road 176, just north of Avenue 264. Upon arrival at this location, Deputy King pointed out to this officer a pair of lime green colored female underpants with a sanitation type belt with a sanitation napkin all closely related to each other. These items were left in place with the officer to protect them and a crime lab unit was requested to roll to this area to photograph and collect the items. Detective Johnson arrived at the crime lab, took the items into custody. He was taken by this officer to the Richmond residence where the items were identified as being similar in design age as the ones being worn on the 26th of December 1975 by victim Donna Richmond. This is TCSO Report Johnson from December 26, 1975. 11.40 hours, 12.27.75. Arrived at Road 176 approximately half a mile north of Avenue 264 and photographed in color and black and white a pair of feminine type panties and a sanitary belt and napkin with napkin attached. 
Panty is located in ditch on the east side of road on the west bank. These items were tagged and sealed in evidence bag at this time. 1350 hours, 122775. Reporting officer had accompanied Sergeant Bird and Detective Holguin to victim's residence where Mrs. Richmond was shown the two items collected from the ditch. She stated she was as positive as she could be that the items collected were her daughter's. She also showed reporting officer several similar pairs of feminine panties which belonged to her daughter. This is Prosecutor Jay Powell questioning Brian Johnson at trial, June 28, 1976. Would you state your name, please? Brian Johnson. On what date was it that you photographed these items of clothing? It was the 27th of December at approximately 1140. All right, and what were these items that you photographed? It was a pair of feminine type underwear and a sanitary napkin and belt. And where was this located that you photographed these items? It was on road 176, just north of Avenue 264. They were lying in a ditch bank. Do you recall, Mr. Johnson, approximately the distance from the traveled edge of the roadway over to the ditch and where these, in which these items were found? I didn't take any uh, specific measurement. I think it was approximately 20 feet. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. Now, in this area between the traveled portion of the road and the top of this, on the edge of this ditch bank here, was this a dirt surface in there, or is it a dirt surface? I believe it is. And I assume that the panties and the sanitary belt were found just as they are depicted in these two photographs. Is that correct? Those were the way they were when I arrived, sir. And when did you take these pictures? I took them at 1140 on the 27th. One of the most difficult parts of preparing this podcast is deciding exactly how much information needs to be shared to tell the story. There is no way to reopen discussion of this case without causing pain to both Donna and Oscar's families. However, if Oscar did not kill Donna, the criminal justice system failed both of them, and Donna's killer is still free. Over the last four years, we've come to believe that there is a real possibility that the person who killed Donna was also responsible for many other unsolved crimes. This possibility is strongly circumstantial, but it has never been investigated by law enforcement. Why bring this up here? We're not going to post many of the evidence photos we feel would be too intrusive to Donna. This includes the sanitary pad and belt. We have high-resolution photos of the pad and belt, and I'll do my best to describe them. The belt is nothing more than a piece of one-inch white elastic sewn together at the ends to form a loop. A small tab of satin fabric is attached to the front and back, and each tab has a small white plastic clip to hold the pad. This is important for understanding the size and weight of the belt, and also the fact that it did not have clips securing it to the underpants. The belt and pad were completely separate, and they were a very lightweight item. Somewhere in Donahue's questioning about the road width, the distance from the road to the ditch, and the depth of the ditch, his point seems to have gotten lost. He was really trying to point out that it was impossible for the panties and belt to have been thrown from a southbound moving vehicle, fly 25 feet, and land together in the ditch. The defense should have ordered some scientific demonstration to show where the panties and belt would have actually landed, but they didn't. 
and the jury was then left with the image painted by the prosecution of Oscar frantically throwing Donna's clothing out of his truck window as he drove home. Statement of Jesse Renteria, location Orange Orchard, property of Frank Neal, east of Frank Kern Canal, north of Avenue 288. Time, 1425 hours, date, 1227.75. I, Jesse Renteria, while driving a spray rig westbound through rows 17 and 18 of Orange Orchard, east of the Frank Kern Canal and north of Ave 288, belonging to Frank Neal, observed what appeared to be a half-naked human body, naked from waist down, lying face down on the north side of row 17 in the irrigation ditch. I was about eight to ten trees from my turnaround point going west, so as I exited the rows, I turned the spray rig back eastbound through rows 16 and 17 to take another look. I again viewed the body without getting off my spray rig, and at this time I went back to the main shed on the ranch to notify my boss, Jim Duncan, of my discovery. Mr. Duncan was not there, so I contacted Wayne Matheny, a co-worker who returned to the area of the body with me, but never viewed it. Upon our return, Mr. Duncan was waiting for me, so I told him of the body, and he left to contact the authorities. I can add nothing further at this time, signed Jesse Renteria, witnessed Richard Halgwin, Detective TCSO. This is Prosecutor Jay Powell questioning Renteria at trial on June 28, 1976. Would you state your name, please? Jesus Renteria Lara. And where do you live? In Exeter. And where were you working? Where do you work? There in Exeter. All right. And what kind of work do you do? Spraying. And were you so employed on or about December 27th, 1975? Yes. And where were you spraying that day? At the the place at the ranch? Yes. Where is the ranch located? Well, how should I say it? The ranch is named Neil. It's next to the canal. It's named what, sir? Neil. Neil, they call the ranch. I don't know. Uh, I do not know how it's written. All right. Thank you. You say it's it's where in relation to the canal? Well, it's on the road where the cemetery is going towards the hill. All right. And did you cross the canal to get to the location where you were spraying that day? Yes. Yes. You crossed the canal. Do you know where Avenue 288 is? Well, I haven't noticed. I don't know the numbers. All right. Thank you. Did something unusual happen to you that day? Before that? No. Did you? Were you spraying that day, December 27th, 1975? Yes, I was spraying. And in what direction were you driving your spray rig? When I found her? Did you find somebody? No. Well, what I say is just the dead young lady, but no. All right. Would you tell us how it was that you found the dead young lady? What did you do when you found her? Well, as I was telling you, I was spraying when I came next to her. I, I turned to the side and I saw her there laying under a little bit under a tree. Did you get off your spray rig? No, I did not get off. What did you do? I continued spraying to finish the material that I had in the tank, and then I made a turn to come back and see if it was true what I had seen, and then I went ahead to notify. All right, and did you notify someone who worked there on the ranch? Yes. 
I notified someone who works there at the ranch, where I work, the fellow that acts as a foreman there. All right, and did you stay there until the sheriff's officers arrived? Well, you see, I went, I told the foreman about it, and we went back to where it happened. When we got there, my boss was already there, but he did not know what had happened, and I told him what I found, and he said, well, you wait right here and don't move, and he went to notify the sheriff, or I don't know who. All right, did you examine the body? No, I did not examine anything. All right, and did your friend that was with you, did he go down and examine the body? No, neither of us went in. We stayed on the edge of the field. Neither one of us went inside. All right, about what time of day was it, if you know, when you found the body? Well, I found her at about 1 and 30 minutes, about 1.30 in the afternoon. And was that on December 27th? Yes, the 27th of December. This is Defense Attorney Donahue questioning Renteria at trial, June 28th, 1976. Mr. Renteria, had you been spraying in this same grove on December the 26th? No, not the 26th. I don't spray on the 26th. They send me out to spray on the 27th, and I had sprayed five tanks before going to lunch. After I had eaten lunch, on the next tank when I was spraying was when I found her. Do you recall the last time that, before December 26th, that those oranges were picked? Now that they were picked over there? Pardon me, sir? When they picked over there where the where it was, I, I don't know, I say... Well, had other workers been in the orange grove a day or two before the 26th, if you know? No, no, I don't know. You don't know whether there were any other workers in there? Is that what you're saying? No, I don't know if there were any other workers. When you went back, you and the foreman went back to the place where you found the body. You said the boss was already there. Where was he when you saw him? At the pump where I used to go over there and fill up the tank with material. That's where my boss was. Well, how far was, the, how far was your boss from the little girl's body? Well, from the pump where I started spraying, it was about 17 rows or 17 rows of trees. To where the body was found? Yes, yes, 17. Well, did you or anyone else that you observed go over to see whether the little girl was alive or not? No, we didn't go. None of us went. When you drove your spray rig by and you first observed the little girl, how close to her were you at that time? Well, she was laying on the on the ditch where the water runs through, and I passed right next to her. Actually, the tires almost touched her. But when you came back from notifying the foreman, no one went to look at the little girl to see whether she was alive or not? Is that correct? Yes. That's... None of us went. None of us went there. Prosecutor Jay Powell, questioning Renteria on cross. When you say you almost touched her, what part of her are you talking about? She was at length, at length there in the row, and a wheel passed right next to her. The rows are not too wide, and it passed that far from her. All right. And is there some reason why you did not get down to see if she was alive? Well, I didn't stop because I felt some some horror, some fear to see a dead body there, and I, almost, and, I, and I also didn't get off in order not to leave any prints there, which would make it harder for them to find some other prints. All right. We don't have any photos of the spray rig Renteria was driving, but by his description, 
It filled the entire space between the rows. He drove it right up next to Donna's body, almost touching it, with the sprayer on. In fact, he didn't turn off the sprayer until his tank was empty on the next row. This became critical to the case as they looked for evidence on and near Donna's body. This is TCSO Report Holguin, December 28, 1975. 122775, 1415 hours. Reporting officer and Sergeant Bird arrived at the above described location, an orange orchard owned by a Mr. Frank Neal. Upon our arrival, Sergeant Bird was directed to the area of the location of the body, while reporting officer took a written statement from person finding the victim, Jesse Renteria. Jesse Renteria stated that he was driving a spray rig on the Neal property when he came upon the victim's body, which he observed to be naked from the waist down, lying face down in a shallow irrigation ditch underneath the north side of an orange tree on row 17. Jesse Renteria stated that he turned his spray rig around and eastbound on row 16 to be positive about what he had seen. Upon viewing the victim's body a second time, Mr. Renteria states he then went to notify his employer, who in turn notified the sheriff's office. Mr. Renteria could not provide any further information. Refer to signed statement of Jesse Renteria for additional information. This is TCSO Report Bird, December 29, 1975. At or about 1407 hours on 122775, received a call from Captain Barnes to meet with him on Marinette Avenue, east of the Frank Kern Canal, east of Spruce Avenue, Exeter area, down in Orange Grove between Avenue 288 and Avenue 292. The exact location would be the 49th row of orange trees north of Avenue 292. This would be the center section, the 49th row from the north side of the orchard, which is bordered by Avenue 292, 5th tree from west end of Grove. At this location, it was pointed out to this officer, a female subject who was clad in a blue windbreaker, a multicolored pinkish colored blouse, and a small green jacket underneath the blue windbreaker. Wrapped around her waist was a purple neck scarf. The subject was nude from the waist down to just below her knees. From this location down, she was wearing a blue, multicolored pair of half-knee-length socks. Victim was laying face down in furrow. From her waist to her head was sticking out from underneath an orange tree. Buttock to the heels was underneath. The victim was laying face down. The area around had indications of a struggle. There were indications that the victim had been alive when left and had been crawling as there were indications that the sides of the furrows were clawed by her fingernails and feet marks where she had dug into the soil. The ground around victim was blood soaked. There was blood in the hair of the head of the victim. The blue windbreaker jacket was blood soaked. The body was stiffening as rigor mortis had set in. There was post-mortem lividity around the neck area. The left hand was underneath the left hip. The right hand was under the forehead. The face was laying on the right hand and the face pointing to the north and down. The mouth was slightly open and appeared to have some dirt in the mouth. In the crevice of the buttock, there appeared to be dried fluid and mud. The body was partially covered with dirt and leaves. The head of the body was pointed in a westerly direction, the feet to the east. The victim was photographed at the scene. Bloodstained dirt was collected as evidence. Measurements were taken. All of this was done by Sergeant Hensley and Detective Johnson of the Crime Lab Unit. The body was removed to the Evans Miller Chapel. This is Prosecutor Jay Powell questioning Bob Bird at trial, June 29, 1976. 
Mr. Bird, you have previously been sworn, and you are still under oath in this case. For the record, sir, would you state your name? Bob Edward Bird. Mr. Bird, calling your attention to December 27, 1975, did you have occasion to go to the scene where the body of Donna Jo Richmond was found? Yes, sir, I did. At what time did you go to the scene? As I recall, it was approximately 2.07, 2.15, in that area in the afternoon. In the afternoon. All right. Now, where was the location? Was the body, what kind of an area was the body found in? An orange grove, east off of 204 between avenues 288 and 192. All right. And was it on which side of the canal? It would be on the east side of the canal, and the canal runs through there on a kind of southerly direction. It's east of it. All right. East of the canal. Yes. And it's north of 288. Yes. All right. Now, when you went to this location, in order to get there, did you have to cross the canal? Yes. And what canal is that? Friant Kern. I believe you said it was east of the Friant Kern Canal. Yes. Thank you. Now, where was the location of the body in relationship to that grove? It was 49 tree rows from Avenue 292 South and five tree rows east of this dirt avenue. All right. Now, at that point, is Avenue 292 a dirt road? No, sir. It's a blacktop. All right. Thank you. And where was the body located once you went 49 rows into the grove? The four uh, on the 49th row, it was five trees east from the dirt avenue. All right. What did you observe at that location? There was a body of a young female, white, half underneath the tree and half out from under the tree. The head of the deceased was laying to the west, the feet to the east, face down. The right hand was laying under the tree, the left hand under the left hip, and was clad in a blue windbreaker-type jacket. Underneath the blue windbreaker was a dark green jacket, and underneath this was a multicolored pink blouse. As I recall, tied around the waist was a knit purple-type scarf. From the waist down, the body was nude until you got to the uh, just below the knees. The feet and knees were covered with a multicolored pair of knit socks. I might also state that, as I recall, there was a small gold necklace around the neck of the deceased. All right. Did you, what did you observe around the body itself? Was there any indication of a struggle? Yes, there were. There was claw marks in the furrows where the victim was laying, and there was also scuff marks that appeared to be where the feet of the deceased has dug into the earth. All right, and around the body of the victim, did you observe any blood? Yes, sir. The head of the deceased was laying in blood-soaked earth. The windbreaker jacket was blood-soaked. The head of the deceased, the hair had blood in it. There was a laceration to the head. There was a stab wound to the side of the neck that was visible. There appeared to be mud and fluid in the crevice of the buttocks. This is defense attorney Donahue questioning Bird at trial on cross-examination. Other than the indication that you have mentioned, perhaps that it appeared to you that the little girl may have been drugged under this tree, were there any other marks that in the dirt around the area which indicated a struggle to you? There appeared to be claw marks in the bank of the furrow that the little girl was laying in. 
made it look like... Fingernails? Looked like they were made by fingernails, yes. Did you find anything in the area where the body was found, Sergeant Bird, that appeared to you that it may have been a footprint? Was that a shoe, we'll say? No, sir. Other than where the girl's feet had been pushed into the dirt. I'm talking about a footprint of a person standing. No, sir. Or struggling, perhaps. No, sir, not that I recall. Did you find anything out there in the area, Sergeant Bird, that looked like a print that could have been made from exhibits 17 and 19, which have been identified as Donna Jo's shoes? No, sir, I did not. Would, was the soil itself, could you describe it for me? It's a dark black soil, has a lot of citrus leaves and citrus stems from the citrus trees in, matted into it. The soil is heavy, thick soil. Was it dry or wet? Moist. This is TCSO Report Hensley, January 2nd, 1975. The body was observed lying face down on the north side of this fifth tree. Reporting officer observed that the body was nude from the waist down except for socks. Reporting officer also observed that the dirt and leaves underneath the tree had been disturbed. Reporting officer picked up the following from this scene. Four known soil samples from around the area of the body. One sample from possible blood-impregnated soil next to the victim's head. Several known orange tree leaves removed from first tree east of the dirt drive intersection west of body scene. 1800 hours, reporting officer left body scene. This is TCSO Report McKinney, December 28, 1975. December 27, 1975, 1425 hours. Reporting officer received call to meet other officers at a location east of Road 204 and north of Avenue 288. At this location, a body of a young female partially clad had been found. Arrived at location at approximately 1435 hours. Location was approximately half mile east of road 204 on Avenue 288, then approximately a third of a mile north in Orange Grove on Frank Neal Ranch. Reporting officer assisted in securing scene awaiting arrival of crime lab. Reporting officer observed partially clad female lying face down in irrigation furrow. Upon arrival of crime lab, reporting officer assisted Detective Sergeant Hensley. Photos, collecting of physical evidence was done by crime lab. Refer to their reports for more information. This is TCSO Report Johnson, December 26, 1975. 14.35 hours, December 27, 1975. Arrived at Avenue 288 just east of Friant Kern Canal where victim had been located. Reporting officer assisted in taking scene photos, collecting evidence, and photographing foot and tire tracks. Evidence collected included soil samples, possible blood samples, leaf samples, and pieces of victim's clothing. Reporting officer took measurements of the crime scene. To say that the scene investigation was minimal is putting it lightly. TCSO took some photos, diagrammed the area, scooped up a little dirt, and talked to the spray rig driver. 
That's about it. TCSO claimed that there were tire and boot heel prints, but they took no plaster casts and did not call in the crime lab experts from Fresno to assist them. They did not formally interview the other workers on the ranch that day, most of whom spoke only Spanish. Had anyone else seen Donna but been afraid to speak up? Was anyone picking in that area earlier that day or on the 26th? Who all had been working at the ranch on Friday? What time did they leave? Did they see or hear anything? They didn't obtain a sample of the spray from the rig to see how it might affect Tess on Donna's body. From the crime scene photos, it appears that every law enforcement officer and grove worker at the Neal Ranch that day was wearing boots, but they didn't examine or get imprints from any of them. They didn't get tire impressions from the spray rig or other vehicles known to have been working in the grove on the 26th and 27th. TCSO did not check to see if there was anyone who worked in the groves for Donna's parents or grandparents who had access to the Neal Ranch, someone she might have known and trusted, someone who might have known she used the shortcut through the grove that ran behind her house. This is TCSO Johnson Report, December 26, 1975. Reporting officer after completing scene walked approximately 52 rows south and 20 feet west and located a multicolored ski cap with possible hair adhering to it. This was photographed and collected by reporting officer. This is defense attorney Donahue questioning Bird at trial on June 29, 1976. Now, was anything else found as a result of that search of the grove? South and in the west grove, there was a multicolored knit cap found. West, in the west grove, approximately 30 feet down in the grove. And around the ski cap, is that the way you described it, or multicolored cap? Now, around that multicolored cap, did you find, or were there any footprints found? There was ladder marks and footprint in the dirt where it appeared that they had been picking oranges. How about back where the victim was found? Were there any ladder marks found around those trees, or did you observe? Not around this tree, no. Well, in the trees adjacent to it? Down and south, and in the same grove, I believe, there was some people working in there, as I recall. Now, other than this multicolored knit cap, or whatever it may have been, was there any other physical evidence found in this grove? Not that I can recall at this time. Now, the multicolored knit cap, or whatever we want to term it, has that been identified as belonging to anyone? No, sir. To date? No, sir. This is Defense Attorney Donahue questioning Morton at trial, June 29, 1976. All right, item 43 is a multicolored ski cap. Do you have any information concerning the ownership of that item? No. It was identified as having been picked up in the location of the body or some distance from the location of the body, and we were not given information as to who it belonged to. Was a preliminary investigation conducted concerning the ski cap? Yes. An examination was made for hairs and fibers. And the result? No evidence was found that was worth pursuing. We're going to have a lot more to say about this ski cap later in the series. It was not found particularly close to Donna's body, but the area was investigated because it was along the killer's likely route out of the orange grove. You can see this item on the map.
This is Coroner's Supplemental Report of December 27th, 1975. By family request, Evans Miller of Exeter was dispatched to the scene and removed the body to the Exeter Hospital where x-rays were taken of the head and upper torso. Then the body was transported to the Evans Miller Funeral Chapel in Exeter. This is TCSO Report Johnson, December 26, 1975. 1745 hours, 122775. Reporting officer began photographing the victim at Evans Miller Chapel in Exeter. Photographs were taken in color and black and white. Color ID photograph was taken of the face and color close-ups of wounds to back, neck, head, etc. Following evidence was removed from the victim. One purple woolen type scarf. One bra, JCPenney brand, size 34AA, marked Donna. One blue nylon coat, one green ditto brand coat, one shirt, one pair of green socks, one gold color necklace with pearl and heart-shaped pendant, one silver colored ring with blue stone, one leather and bead wrist bracelet named Donna on it, one brown leather strap with snaps, one brown leather strap with name Dawn on it, head hair sample, strands of hair from the right thigh and the right abdomen, leaves from the inner right leg. Forget every episode of CSI you've ever seen, or even any notion of modern forensics here. After some photos were taken and some bloody soil collected, Donna was picked up by a couple of young guys who worked for the local Exeter funeral home. They took her body to the hospital where a regular hospital technician took some x-rays. Then she was transported to the funeral home. Shortly after, at about 5.45 p.m. on the 27th, Deputy Johnson arrived at the funeral home to take additional photos of Donna's body and to document the autopsy. At this point, someone removed Donna's clothing and jewelry, and Johnson took them into evidence. Today, every person allowed within five feet of her body would be wearing booties, gloves, and a mask to avoid contamination. In addition to the officers on the scene, there were at least four other males who could have contaminated Donna's body with DNA simply by talking over her or picking her up. Prosecutor J. Powell questioning Logan at trial, June 28, 1976. Now, did you have occasion to find some other piece of clothing? Yes, sir, I did. And would you tell us what that was? It was the other shoe. All right. To the set. And when was it that you found the other shoe? The 28th of December, 1975. That would be the following day? Yes, sir. All right. And where did you find the second shoe? It was located on the south dirt portion just off the roadway on Avenue 264 east of Road 156. And when you found the second shoe, what did you do with it? We did as we had done with the first shoe. We just secured the area and waited until Detective Tom McKinney arrived and he took charge of the scene. Defense Attorney Donahue continuing questioning Logan on cross. Did anybody, perhaps Detective Moore or anyone else that you know of, measure the distance from, say, the edge of the roadway to where the shoe, the first shoe was located? The first shoe? Yes. Not to my knowledge. How about the second shoe? Yes, sir. It was measured. All right. What was the... from where to where? Deputy Hoffman measured it. 
He measured it approximately 27 feet south of the center line of Avenue 264. And can you tell me, Deputy Logan, approximately how wide Avenue 264 is in that particular location? No, I can't, sir. Avenue 264 is a two-lane road, is it not? Yes, it is. East and west? Yes, sir. And did these two items, the two shoes, were they found south of the traveled portion of the highway someplace? Is that correct? That's correct. How far apart were the two shoes, approximately? I'd have to take a minute and look at the map and just give you a very rough estimate. I never measured the distance between the two shoes. Did anybody measure the distance, or do you know? I don't know if they did or not, sir. Do you have your report there in front of you, Deputy Logan? Yes, sir. And when was the second shoe found? On the 28th of December. Approximately what time? Approximately 09.55 hours. Okay, on the 28th, did you personally locate the second shoe, or was that done by someone else? It was done by the officer riding in my vehicle who was sitting on the side of the road the shoe was located on. Now, Officer Logan, in looking at People's 15 and People's 18, which are two photos of the shoes, could you tell from the manner in which, or the way they were found, whether they had been perhaps thrown out or just laid down? I couldn't tell, sir. This is TCSO Report McKinney, December 28, 1975. 12-28-75, approximately 0900 hours. Reporting officer was contacted while at headquarters, Visalia, by Captain Barnes and advised to contact Deputy Hoffman on Avenue 264, just east of Road 156, in regards to a shoe belonging to victim Donna Richmond that he had found. 0910 hours. Reporting officer arrived at location. Shoe was found approximately 1,050 feet east of road 156 on Avenue 264. Shoe was 27 feet south from center line of Avenue 264. The shoe was 126 feet east of Edison Company pole number 1576319E. Shoe was photographed by Detective Johnson, Sheriff's Office, Crime Lab, and Reporting Officer released the same to him. This is TCSO Report Johnson, December 26, 1975. 0-9-10 hours, 12-28-75. Photographed a platform-type shoe, tan in color, located approximately a quarter mile east of Road 156 on Avenue 264, on the south side of the road. Photographs were in color and black and white. 0918 hours, 122875. Collected shoe and was instructed to preserve shoe for possible fingerprints. This is Defense Attorney Donahue questioning Johnson at trial, June 28, 1976. All right, you photographed the second shoe then? Yes, sir. Did you take any measurements to ascertain the distance the second shoe was south of the traveled portion of the highway? No, sir, I did not. From where it was laying when you first saw it, could you... Was there anything to indicate to you whether the shoe perhaps had been thrown over to that location or perhaps just set down there? I really couldn't tell whether it had been set down or thrown. It was sitting on the sole. It wasn't laying over. But there wasn't... There was no way to tell whether it had been thrown or set. What I'm asking, I guess, is were there any marks near the shoe, the second shoe, which would have, might have indicated to you if it had been thrown? I didn't see any. 
Officer Johnson, did you or anybody in the crime lab, if you know, try to lift latent fingerprints from these two shoes? The first shoe I did not. The second shoe myself and Sergeant Hensley tried, but we didn't come up with anything. This is TCSO Report Johnson, December 26, 1975. 09.25 hours, 12.28.75. Photographed two white rags in color and black and white, having possible blood and hairs adhering to them. 09.35 to 09.40 hours, 12.28.75. Collected both rags, which were both located in the driveway of an abandoned house at the corner of Road 156 and Ave 264, the northeast corner. 0945 hours, 1228.75. Completed scene, evidence returned to the lab. This is Defense Attorney Donahue questioning Grubb at trial, June 29, 1976. Items 44 and 45, Mr. Grubb, a piece of white cloth, possible blood on it, another piece of white cloth, possible hair on it. Did you examine those items? As I recall, we were informed that they were not directly related with this case. Well then, did you make an examination? No, I didn't examine them. I remember looking at them preliminarily, but... Forensic Institute lab notes from February 3rd, 1976. Item number 45. One thin piece of white cloth with possible blood on it. Strong positive benzidine test on fibers from red stain. Item number 44, one rag, possible blood and hair adhering to it. The second shoe, like the first one in the panties, seems to have been carefully placed at the edge of the ditch, well off the road. Both shoes were found undamaged, resting upright on their soles. The distance from the center of the road, as if thrown from a vehicle driving west, was 27 feet. The bloody rags were found in the driveway of a nearby abandoned house. They appear to be torn sleeves from a dress shirt. There was no specific reason to think they were related to Donna, but they were collected just in case. This is TCSO Report Woodcocks, December 28, 1975. 7.28 hours. 1228.75. I received a telephone call from Mrs. Richmond advising that at approximately 2130 hours on 1227.75, she received a call from a Mrs. Lamb who stated that while on her way home from work, she observed a pair of green pants in the middle of the road on Avenue 264. Mrs. Lamb stated since they looked new, she went back, picked them up, and took them home where she washed them. It wasn't until later that she was told by her daughter who attended school with the victim of her death. Mrs. Lamb advised she found the pants at approximately 18.15 hours on Friday evening. After being advised of the incident, I began checking the directory for the Lamb in question since Mrs. Richmond had not asked her address or phone number. I contacted a Mrs. Laverne Lamb of 410 South Camellia, Farmersville, who advised me she was the person who had called Mrs. Richmond. I asked her if she still had the pants. She advised yes. I then advised her to place them in a paper bag that they would be picked up and she would be contacted in regard finding them. I then advised Detective Richmond at 
Pixley substation of the phone call, who then called Sergeant Bird. I was then advised that Sergeant Bird was en route to the Lamb residence to make contact and secure the item. This is TCSO report Bird, December 29, 1975. On 12-28-75 at 07:30 hours, reporting officer received a call from the duty officer, TCSO Vesalia, advising that a Mrs. Laverne Lamb of 410 South Camellia Street had found a pair of dark green ladies' capris in the roadway on Avenue 264, just west of Avenue, on Road 176, on Friday, 122675. The victim had been wearing a pair of capris fitting this description when she was abducted and was nude from the waist down when found, and part of the clothing belonging to victim had been found in this general vicinity. This officer made contact with Mrs. Lamb at or about 0830 hours on 122875, at which time I was given a pair of ladies' capris, dark green in color, with the name Dittos, and a tag on the back. They had another tag on the inside that said, cut number 5459, number 27S, and with a red tag on the outside that said Dittos in red letters on a white tag. These were marked for identification and placed in a paper bag by myself and Mrs. Laverne Lamb. Mrs. Lamb gave this officer the statement that at 15 minutes until 6 p.m. on 12-26-75, she was in a rush to go to the bank in Exeter to deposit a check for her employer. She was eastbound on Avenue 264 and approximately two city blocks west of Road 176. She observed a pair of what appeared to be new pants in the middle of the roadway. She stopped, obtained the item, and then found it to be a dark pair of ladies' capris, which appeared to be new or almost new. She didn't think anything about it at the time, and she figured that they were blown out of somebody's car, and they didn't know it, and had not stopped. She took them home, and she observed that there was some mud on the inside of the left leg from the bottom seam, up approximately 8 inches, that she washed the capris, and then she read about the incident of the homicide in Exeter, she called the lady, and the lady advised her that her daughter had been wearing a pair of green capris, Ditto's brand, dark green in color. She at this time called the sheriff's office and notified us. This is TCSO Report Johnson, January 8, 1976, 1500 hours. Received from Detective Sergeant Bird one pair of green Ditto pants evidence stored in crime lab prior to being transferred to main evidence. No further action. This is Prosecutor Jay Powell questioning Laverne Lamb at trial, June 28, 1976. All right. Did something unusual happen with you on the 26th of December? Well, I guess. Well, do you... What happened on the 26th of December that was out of the ordinary? Well, I was on my way to the bank, I'd been to work, and I was on the way to the bank, and the lights hit something on the white line in the road. Okay, and this was at nighttime then? Yes, it was quarter till six. All right, did you stop? I went on past a good little ways, and then I backed up, because it looked like new, something new, you know, clothing, so I backed up. And can you tell me where this was that you found this item? I believe it was on 265. Can you look at the, uh, do you see this map over here that is on the board? 
It was Avenue 264. Avenue 264 is where you found this. Uh-huh. All right. And do you remember where on Avenue 264? It would be there because outside Creek School, it runs this way. Outside Creek? Outside Creek. I turned at Outside Creek School and go east, and it was, it would have been probably right there somewhere. About how far was it from Road 176? About a mile, I would say. Okay. Possibly, or possibly less. I don't really know. It was right over just a little ways from the slough, though. Okay, so it was past the slough going east. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. All right. Was it on the roadway? On the white line. Okay. That would be, you can, you can resume the stand. And what was the item you found? It was a pair of ladies' green pants. And what did you do with this item, this pair of pants, after you found them on the roadway? I took them home, and I was working, and so I didn't, I just took them home and put them in the wash. Okay. And was there some reason why you washed them? Well, I knew they fit our daughter. I never stopped to pick up anything on the road. I just never would. You say, but you knew they would fit your daughter? Yeah. Okay. And did, when you picked these up after you got them home, did you observe anything on the pants? There was just mud on the inside of one of the legs. Do you remember which leg it was? I think it was the left, but I'm not sure. Okay. And where on the pants was the mud? Just above, like, so from the cuff? From the cuff. On the inside. On the cuff running inside the leg? Yeah, uh-huh, on the inside of the leg. And approximately how many inches would you guess? Mm, maybe six or eight, I'm not sure. All right. And then what did you do with this item of clothing? Did you keep it, or what did you do with it? A friend of mine later came in the next day, and I was telling her about them, and I... Well, pardon me for interrupting, but we don't want to go into a conversation you had with your friend. What did you finally do with the trousers? Did you keep them, or did you turn them over to someone? No, I called the Richmond home. And after that, did you finally give the pants to some officer? Yes, I did. I turned them over to the officer. All right. And was this uh, Detective Bird? Yes, it was. The gentleman seated to my right. Uh-huh. Defense Attorney Donahue questioning Laverne Lamb on cross. Mrs. Lamb, would you be kind enough, ma'am, to describe this mud you found on the uh, either the left leg or the right leg, whichever leg it may have been? It just looked, it was just a big thing of mud, like where you'd stepped in a mud puddle or something and just sort of splattered it all, you know? It was like so. It was on the inside of the leg. Uh-huh. When you say on the inside, we're not talking about the inside of the pant leg. No. I mean on the, like you say on the pants, on the inside of the leg. Did this mud have any particular color? It just looked like a sandy color. And these, uh, this pair of slacks was laying on the center line when you first saw them? Yes, they were. And this was about 545, right? Quarter till six. Had you, you evidently drove south on Road 164 from Farmersville? Yes, uh-huh. Road 164 to Avenue 264, is that correct? That's right. And then you made a left turn? At the Outside Creek School. Right. 
as you came down to the intersection of 164 and Road 264, uh, Avenue 264, did you observe any vehicles on Avenue 264? No, I did not. From the time you first turned onto Road 264 until you saw the slacks laying there on the center line, you did not pass any vehicles that you recall? No, I didn't. Now, before you washed Exhibit 20, did you see anything on the slacks other than mud? There was absolutely nothing. Specifically, Mrs. Lamb, do you recall seeing anything which to you appeared to have been a blood stain? There was none. There was none at all? Nothing. That you observed, is that correct? Mm-hmm. And the only reason then, I assume, that you washed the slacks was because of the dirt on the left leg? That's right. Why would the killer leave Donna's pants in the center of the road? It's obvious they were meant to be discovered. The pants were found one-third of a mile from the shoe that was found the next morning by Donna's brother, and one-half mile from her underpants. Most people try to hide evidence, not distribute it in a neat trail for the police to follow. No matter how you look at it, the clothing had to be left by the killer. At 5.45, Donna's parents were still driving around looking for Donna and her bike. We've tried using our most suspicious minds on this issue. Could law enforcement have found the clothing with the bike and created the trail to solidify their case against Oscar? If it were just the shoes and panties, it seems possible. But the pants were found too soon, before law enforcement was even notified that Donna was missing. If Laverne Lamb is correct about the time, it's safe to assume that all of Donna's clothing items were distributed before 5.45 p.m. The pants showed no signs of tire marks and had only a little bit of dirt on one leg. There was no mention of the pants being wet, and it was a very damp and foggy night. Donna's bike already had dew on it when it was found 45 minutes after the pants. The pants were not in the road for long before Mrs. Lamb retrieved them. The sun set just before 5 p.m. that night. There were no reports of anyone having seen the shoes, pants, or panties before they were known to be picked up. Obviously, TCSO would have liked to have obtained reported sightings of the items before dark on Friday night, since that would fit with the time that they claimed Oscar arrived home, around 4.45. One thing is certain, if the pants were left in the road after dark, between 5 p.m. and 5.45 p.m., there's no way Oscar killed Donna. Next time we jump forward to the trial and focus on the state's case against Oscar. You can find the release date on our website, 122675.com, on the trial page. Also, check out the interactive map and photos and join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter.